The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. I have just come from two weeks in Kenya, and then I flew home for one day, and then I flew back here. I, don't ask me why I did that. The airlines were creating me a problem, but I am so honored to be here. In Kenya, what we're doing there is, it's a long story how we got to that place, but we're going around, and I was in central Kenya, and we went to eight different cities to call about 100 to 150 pastors in each city and began to share with the, the vision that we want to change the spiritual atmosphere of the nation so that we can see a million souls brought to Jesus in the next few years. So it's a very big endeavor. We go to the coast, the western region. I was in central region. And it's really beginning to take a hold. And so I'm really excited for that. And if you think of it, I really appreciate your prayers. Because I really believe seeing God really break through in one place of the world will spread to other places of the world. Amen? Amen. So let's have a word of prayer before we receive the word of God and just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Lord, we're not here to just have a talk, to just share human thought. We want to hear from the Spirit of God because you know us better than we know ourselves. You know what's coming against us. You know what our future holds. You know what weapons the enemy is using to try to hold us back. So we need a wisdom that is higher than our perspective and wisdom brings. We invite you, speak to me. I am your child. You can unlock things in me that I can't even unlock. You can open things that I've not known how to open. So I humble myself before you. Have your way in me, Lord. Have your way. Do what you desire to do. Because what you plan, your will is good. And it is better than anything I could do for myself. I don't want to fight you because you are my savior. You are my deliverer. You are my safe place. Have your way in my, in my inner being and through my life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There was one time in scripture when Jesus spoke this to the generation of his time. And he told them that the generation of Sodom and Gomorrah was going to judge them because they missed the time of their visitation. And I thought about that, that the people that lived in Jesus' time that even though there had been prophecies that he fulfilled, even though they saw the miracles, even though they saw the teaching that was different than any teaching they'd ever heard, that they missed what God was doing. And Jesus said other generations would judge them, would, would begin to speak to them because they missed what God was doing in their generation. And it's always made me aware, are we clued into what God's doing in our generation? 
are we aware what is happening spiritually, not just politically, or not just socially, or just personally? What is God doing in our generation? So for a long time, I mean, just getting the opportunity to travel to different nations and, and interact with the body of Christ, you, you get a little bit wider perspective. You're not just locked into your own culture. But it's really, we're global now. I mean, what we do in the Western world comes to Africa. Their young people are struggling with things they never did before because of the internet, social media, all these things. It's like there's a global global world now that we're all interlocked. And when I look at the day and time in which we live, honestly, sometimes it feels like things are moving at such a pace today that it is shocking. There are things being discussed today that I never thought would even be an issue. I didn't even know we would get confused over some of the things we're confused about now. But we are. And our young people are being raised in that. And you see the kind of almost like we're casting off restraint, as though we're saying to God, you can't tell me what to do, who to be, or anything. And as though we're rising up in pride to say to God, we're going to do whatever we want to do. And yet the Bible tells us that as time gets later, you're going to see things happening like that. That there's going to be the kinds of things taking place that are going to begin to see like there will be an antichrist attitude, there will be deception, there will be rebellion, there will be all these things. But he also says that there will come one more move of God that will spread across the earth. When I see darkness rising the way it is, I am also crying out to see the true church of Jesus Christ rise up and begin to shake the nations. Even in my country, when I saw Asbury beginning, these young people crying out, I was beginning to just say, let it go, God. Let it begin to spread. Because young people are being just wiped out with so much confusion and deception and all these things. And it's like, God, let there be a move. What am I saying to you? Friends, we need to get a bigger picture than just our personal life. Because God is doing something in this age. And there's a great deal of spiritual activity. And we need to be clued into that. Or we can stay in a state of slumber and miss what God is doing. Somebody say amen. Amen. There are many things the Bible talks about that gives us clues to tying in. Nobody knows exact dates or times of anything, but there are things going on that we can see. Darkness is rising. In many ways, we can see it. But we can also see that there is some people that are beginning to rise and really cry out to God. Even my my son serves with me as a pastor in our church, and he said many times he feels like his generation, the church is getting weaker and weaker, and darkness is getting stronger and stronger. But when he sees some young people being stirred in different colleges around the U.S., it said it gave me hope that God can turn something around like that, that God can begin to move, and that God can begin to move on the country. When I look at the Bible and what it says, it tells us that as time gets later, you're going to see certain things happening, and we're seeing them. You see waves of deception. I honestly thought we would never have to debate what a woman is. I never thought that would be an issue, but it has become an issue that we're having these kinds of conversations. People are also falling away from the truth of the word. There's apostasy going on. People are falling into doubt. 
and their ears are wanting to hear what I want to hear, not what God says. False teachers are exalting their own teaching over the word of God. And they're distorting the word of God. And sin is increasing. I mean, even repentance is not discussed much in many churches today. It is told us that as time gets later, that kind of deception will rise. And it is happening in our day. Many of you may have been in church for decades. You see things are changing. And my grandchildren, their parents are struggling with, how do I help raise them in this kind of environment? Like what's going on or what's being discussed or what's being, they're being exposed to. Why? Because there's so much deception that comes in. And that's happening in our day. So what do we do as the church? It tells us also that there will be times of great shakings. That as time gets later, things are going to shake. Nations are going to shake. Natural disasters, plagues. We call it climate change. God called it shaking of the nations. And they are shaking. There's famines, there's people groups rising against people groups. And God said, don't be afraid when you see that. Those are birth pangs. What are birth pangs for? They're to cause you to wake up, right? It's like, oh, but let's pay attention. If someone is pregnant, a woman is pregnant, and then she goes along, she's doing her life, she's going to do all the things she does, but when the birth pang comes, stop. This something's getting ready to happen. And Jesus told us that when we see all of these things happening, don't be afraid. These are birth pangs, but birth pangs are cause us to pay attention, to begin to be sobered and focus on the Lord. He told us as time gets later, the love of many will grow cold because of the increase of wickedness. When COVID first started happening in America, you saw people getting really humble, and then there was the George Floyd incident in Minnesota. Soon as that happened, it's as though we started turning against each other. And now all of a sudden, it wasn't about being humble anymore. It was about rising up and wanting to attack each other in different ways. The church started splitting. I mean, one of the things America many years ago used to have black churches, white churches, but now they've become integrated. But then they started tearing apart again. And you see the divisiveness the way it can become so destructive in societies, on and on. In Africa, it's tribal. In other places, it's ethnic or racial. And you begin to realize, or political, that political people, you go in parts of countries, they won't even talk to someone if they're of, a, of another political persuasion. And it says, as time gets later, this kind of divisiveness and hatred and vitriol and these kinds of words will only increase and it's going to cause, to cause people's hearts to grow cold. It also says that as time gets later, people will be lovers of self instead of lovers of God. There will be times when people become apathetic to God, to his purposes. I see nowadays that people don't even mind speaking against God I remember when I was a kid, if someone said a bad word on a Sunday, they would apologize, even if they weren't a believer. Nowadays, we talk about God like he's less than us. And it says in 2 Timothy, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, but swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, 
What am I saying? The clock is getting later, and we can watch it happening like this. What does the Bible tell us that we should do if we live in that generation? What are we supposed to do if we see those kinds of things happening? Now, the Bible is really clear on this. It says something over and over again, stay awake. Stay awake. Look at Luke chapter 21, verse 36. He said, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. In Matthew 24, I don't have this verse back there, but it says, verse 42 says, Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day the Lord will come. It says, as you see things happening, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, don't get knocked off track, but you need to be aware these are birth pangs. They are to cause you to begin to become more vigilant, more observant, more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It says, stay awake. You are to be aware. There is a tide coming that will pull you out. I live in Florida. We have tides that they call rip currents that can pull you out to the sea. That you think you're okay, but all of a sudden you're too far out and you can't, can't swim against the current. The Bible tells us that when you live and start seeing all the deception, all the divisiveness, all the hatred, all the the rebellion, the arrogance against God, when you see that, don't get caught in that current because it will be strong and it's going to pull very strongly. You need to be aware of what's happening and you need to begin to seek the Lord or it will numb you. It will begin to capture you. You'll begin to get caught up in old sins that you haven't been aware of because the spiritual forces of darkness are rising. So therefore, you need to rise in the Lord. Amen. It tells us that we need to be ready. There needs to be a readiness. You know, when you start to see a battle take place, I love history, but I love World War II, and I love what your country did as it stood against things. There was, Winston Churchill was calling people, we need to be ready. We're not going to grow weary. And that's the idea that the scriptures are giving us. There is a spiritual war that's going to increase. Darkness is going to increase. But God is going to move on the earth yet again. And the latter house will be greater than the former house. And he's going to cover the earth as the seas cover the, the nation, as they cover the globe. And he said he's going to move yet again. But there needs to be a preparedness. So I started asking the question to the Lord. Because in my lifetime, the tide of darkness has risen greatly. And the forces that are coming against are coming in greater intensity, and they're capturing people. And I started saying, God, how do I stay awake? How do I keep vigilant? How do I grow stronger in these days, not weaker? How does my passion for you, my surrender to you, my commitment to you increase and not be diminished by all that's going on in the world? And then I came across... A chapter in the Bible, which is Matthew 25. In Matthew 25, because in Matthew 24, it says, you need to be ready because you don't know when the Lord is coming. And then Matthew 25 is three stories Jesus tells us how to be found ready, how to stay awake, how to not get caught in the tide. So let's look at this. Jonathan, you'd hand me that water. So in Matthew, he tells three stories about ten virgins. He tells a story about people that are given talents. And he tells a story 
about sheep and goats. So let's look at this. In Matthew 25, verses 1 through 4, it says, In the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamp and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For the foolish took their lamp. When they took their lamp, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. So he said there were ten virgins. That's signifying they're born again. They're righteous unto God. And, and it says they all had lamps. Now we're supposed to have light to this world, right? So they all had assignments from God. They all had ministries or ways God wanted to work through their life to impact the world. It says in John 15, 16, you did not choose me. I chose you. You didn't find God. God drew you to himself, and he said he appointed you to bear fruit. You have a purpose in this generation. And so all of these people, they're born again. They belong to the Lord. They have callings of God, purposes that they're supposed to bring forth, and they're all waiting for the groom to come. The church is waiting and preparing for Christ's return. He's not coming back for a defeated, lukewarm church. He's coming back for a victorious church. Amen. That's an amen place right there. He says, but there were five that were foolish. Now, this is again telling us these are people given to God. Five were wise, five were foolish. He defines the foolish ones as the ones that took their lamp but did not take oil. The lamp is their calling, their ministry, the way God wants to use their life. The oil represents the presence of the Spirit moving in their hearts as they are with the Lord. It's that oil is the Holy Spirit. It's that inward working of God, that deepening of God, that work God does to soften our hearts, to open our lives, to deepen our faith, to draw us close to Himself. He said the foolish ones did not walk closely with God. They were busy for Jesus with their assignment, but they did not prioritize their personal relationship with the Lord, their dependency, their trust, their deepening of their walk with God. See, your first ministry is your ministry to the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's not to anything else. Your first ministry is to seek him, to worship him, to love him, to have your heart in a place that you're open and given over to him, that you're not fighting him, pulled back, distant from him, but that you're moving towards him, that you're beginning to give more of yourself to him, that you're trusting him. That's where the oil of the Holy Spirit flows. Any of you that have had times that you're really close to God, there is life that flows between you and him, right? Your heart is open. The word of God burns in you. You begin to worship him. Tears begin to come down because he's tangible. He's real. The oil of the Holy Spirit is flowing. This is when God writes on your heart. This is when he inspires you. Your heart is knowing that he is high and lifted up. He is my strength, my hope, my shield. I need not fear because if he goes with me, it doesn't matter what I'm facing. He will see me through. That's where the oil begins to flow in you. See, my assignment, I pastor a church. I've been a pastor for over 40 years. I travel as a missionary into other nations. That's my assignment. And I must carry that out. I want to be faithful to the Lord. I want to stand before the Lord, and he's going to say, well done. I gave you an assignment. You carried that out. 
I also have a family. I have grandchildren. I have people to lead and disciple. But my first ministry is to the Lord. That's where I find my strength, my wisdom, my love, the hope to keep going. Because what happens? You start laying down your assignment when you lose hope, don't you? You start losing the zeal if you're not connecting to God regularly. You start getting caught up in the discouraging, frustrating, or you get caught up in what's going on out there and you lose sight of what he's speaking and saying to you. See, my assignment is to focus on the Lord, to walk with the Lord. But it's really easy to go into autopilot with God, to just be religious, to just say the words, but my heart is disconnected. There's no more tears. There's no more burning of the word of God when I read it. And God says, I'm going to send wake-up calls. I'm going to send things to stir you like a global pandemic to stop everything. I'm going to send shakings that are going to hit the nations. These are going to be birth pangs for you to begin to come after me again. To want to restore that love, that connection, that walk with me. And it says the foolish ones took their lamps, but they had no oil. They tried to carry out their assignment, but instead of acquiring oil by meeting with the Lord, walking with the Lord, staying connected to the Lord, they just started trying to live their be parents, be married, do my job, go to church out of their human strength and their human ability. And they just began to dwindle down that their lamp was burning out. Man, I tell you, it's easy to do that in Western society because we live in a humanistic society. I mean, everything's based on human ability, human wisdom, human strength, human thinking, human ways. But that's not how God operates. God put the Holy Spirit in you so you could have a direct link to him. His blood, sinless blood was shed for you to pay your debt so that you may come boldly into his presence and have communion. That the veil was ripped so that we could come into the holy of holies and God could speak to us and make himself known, that his love could pour out on you so he could begin to renew your courage, your strength, your sense of who you are in him. You're, that's where the oil is found. And he's saying people are not ready for what I'm doing because they have no oil. Verse 8 and 9 of chapter 25, it says, And the foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. Now this looks like a selfish answer. The foolish ones are concerned. They see their lamps going out. The fire is going out. They would almost say, like, I don't have the strength to be what I know I'm called to be. And they say, can I have some of your oil? And the wise ones say, no, you can't have our oil. But see, it's not selfish. Here's the truth. You cannot transfer to someone else your spiritual preparedness. What I do before the Lord, when I fight the fight of faith, when I break through into his presence, when I release my surrender, when I abandon myself to trust and believe him, I can't give that to somebody else. I can tell them things I've done. I can encourage them in the Lord. I can tell them to encourage their faith to keep going, but I can't do it for them. You can't transfer that. 
Your fight of faith, you're pushing through all the things that are going on in the world that are trying to shut you down, and you're fighting through to take hold and believe that Jesus is who he said he is, that he will do what he said he will do. That is where you get the oil, and you can't give that to someone else. Only the Lord can do that as you spend time with him. That's when he writes on your heart. That's when he opens you up. There's only one place oil comes from, and that is you before the Lord. That's you being in his word. That's you pressing worship, even though doubts and fears are coming until they break and the presence of God comes down. Jesus says the wise leader prioritized seeking him, and that's how they stayed awake. I want to say something to you. In the last few years, we've gone through all kinds of shakings. And there's parts of the church that are starting to become hungry for the presence of God. That's what those young people were doing in America. They see all the craziness out there. They see in the church, we're kind of going through the motions. And they're saying, I don't want the motions. I don't want the craziness. I want Jesus. I need Jesus. And no matter what it takes, no matter what I got to do, I got to go after him. I want reality. I don't want talk. And that's what I'm saying. If the Lord's provoking you to want more, go for more. The Lord's provoking you to get, to get beyond just words and religion and get him, go for him. Because he's sending wake-up calls across the world. Amen. So that means some of us realize, I need to start giving more time. I spend all my time with the television or gaming or just doing busyness. I need to begin to seek the Lord and make him a priority. Number two, he tells the second story, which is about the parable of the talents. I'm going to just start reading at verse 21 and go through 26. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I made two more talents. And the master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, he also who had received one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But the master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I scatter no seed. And he said it cast him out into utter darkness. In this parable, it's teaching, If you're faithful with a little, you will be given more in this life and in the life to come. Some people think that... Their job is what God's looking at is like, am I growing my, my ministry? Let's say I work with children. Am I seeing fruit there and doing a lot there? Or my impact at work or all these things? It's like we focus on ourselves. And like, am I getting a high position of title? Am I getting a role that is significant? God's not worried about that. It doesn't matter if you lead or you try to impact three people or 3,000 people. The, the question is, are you being faithful with what God gives you? It's really difficult to remain faithful. Just being in ministry 40 years, you, you realize it's hard. I remember when I was in seminary and I was going through that. I was in a seated with a couple thousand other students. And they said to us, look around 
by the age of retirement, 75% of you won't be in ministry anymore. Why? You get beaten up, you get discouraged, you lose focus, you lose passion, you lose zeal. Well, that's also for everybody else. You want to serve the Lord, you want to be fruitful for the Lord, but if you don't focus on the Lord and walk with the Lord, then people discourage you, then the battles discourage you, you begin to lose the heart, the passion, the energy to do that. And right here, Jesus is saying, I honor faithfulness. And he says, the unfaithful one says, I was afraid, and then he listed off all the reasons why. If you've ever been in church long, you've heard a lot of reasons why people stop serving or doing these kinds of things. Like, I'm too busy. I got hurt in the past, so I don't want to do it anymore. I always think, well, Jesus died. Paul, John the Baptist had his head cut off. Paul was whipped and left. I mean, they all paid a price for their faith. Can't we pay some price? And you hear these excuses, I don't feel comfortable. It's hard. I don't feel qualified. Uh, I don't like to be out at night, so I can't be involved. I mean, we say all of these kinds of things, and, and we act like that's the reason. It's because of this. It's because of that lady. She always just talks too much, and I just don't feel like listening to that anymore. Whatever we come up with, and we give these excuses to convince ourselves, but Jesus says the excuses aren't the problem. He says the problem is wickedness and laziness. Now remember, as time gets later, there's going to be all kinds of increase of darkness. There's going to be people being numbed, distracted, diverted. Their heart is going to begin to become tempted to get hard, to begin to lose passion and energy and all this. The media is going to flood us with stuff that feeds a self-focused life instead of a God-focused life. It's going to come at us from all these places. So it's going to be very easy to make it about me instead of make it about God. And so it'll be really easy to become apathetic, to become basically like, I don't feel like paying any price. Like, yes, I know Jesus died for me, and I know that he sacrificed for me, but I don't want to do this. And it's like these small reasons. And he said, that's not the problem. The problem is, is that we've become wicked and lazy. He says, you know, as I read earlier, that as time gets later, the tide is going to try to take you to be lover of a self. It's going to try to make you chase money. It's going to try to make you arrogant and proud, which is what's happening in, our, in Western culture right now. Western culture is rising up as though we don't need God. We can cast off God's wisdom. We can cast off God. And we can build family, society, everything on our own wisdom and our own strength. It says you're going to be lovers of self. You're going to be ungrateful. You're going to become unappreciative, slanderous, without control, brutal. It says all of these things are growing. And what am I saying to you? That's what's happening. There's things trying to make us apathetic spiritually. That things that are trying to keep us, it is saying, stay awake. Don't fall into the places where you're being drifting further and further from God because that tide is going to pull you and you're not going to finish and be faithful with what God gave you to do. You know, some of you, if you go back to dreams and visions, I'm telling you, you know God spoke some things over your life. Like he wanted you to be useful this way or that way. And we can begin to where all we do is attend services instead of realize 
My life doesn't belong to me. It was bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not here to build my kingdom. I'm here to build his kingdom. I'm not here to esteem my name. I'm here to see his name glorified. That's what we were called to. That's what we were called to. And you realize you can begin to fall into the culture instead of Christ. And you can begin to make it about you instead of him. And he says, that's what happens. We're not faithful with the gifts, the the spiritual deposits that he's given us. So he says, stay awake. Stay awake. Bring your heart back to Christ. Let him remind you who you were. I've seen so many people when they come back and say, Jesus, I give my life. You're the Lord of my life, not me. And he starts reminding them of what he spoke over their life 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And they remember what he called them to be and to do with the gifts that he gave them. The final thing. So Jesus tells the story about the virgins. He tells the story about the people that were given talents and they're going to be accountable for what they did with it. Then he comes and tells the one about the sheep and the goats. And this point... It really is to love others in the light of his coming is what he's calling us to. The first, the first point was to return to our first ministry. That's how we stay awake. The second one was to be faithful with what gives us. But this one is to love others in the light of his coming. Jesus told this story about how he's going to stand before all the nations. Let's look at this in verse 31 and 32. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels are with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate one people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep and the goats. See, Jesus said, when I come back, I'm not going to come as a lamb that was, a lamb that was slain. I'm going to come as a righteous judge who reigns. When I come back, I'm going to come with all my holy angels, all the glory. You remember when Moses stood on the mountain and everything shaking, smoke, fire, lightning, all this kind of stuff, and the people are falling down? He says, I'm going to come with my glory when I come again. And I'm going to sit on my throne and I will rule and I'll call all people before me. And he says, you will recognize on that day that I am Lord or you're going to live your life with me being Lord. But he says, every knee will bow. In fact, it says some people want mountains to cover them because they know they're not ready to see the Lord. He said, now the time of choosing of that day is the Lord. We don't know when it is, but we are given that when the birth pangs are happening, we're supposed to get vigilant. Amen? We're supposed to get serious. It's like because he delays in his coming, we begin to go into a slumber. But when we see the birth pangs, we're to come out of the slumber and begin to seek the Lord and begin to go after the Lord. It says this in verse 34, I mean, in, in, in verse 34 through 36, it said, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. He's telling them, I want you to realize you need oil that can begin to burn. I want you to begin to come back to that first ministry with me. I want you to remember that I didn't just call you so you can go to heaven one day, but I called you and gave you an assignment to make an impact, to be a light in this generation. And that light needs to shine because darkness is getting darker. 
And then he said, I want you to remember the way you love people is the way you love me. Because I want to tell you something. We can pray for revival all we want, but the first place everywhere I've seen in the world that God starts moving is when people start repenting of their unloving things that are inside their heart. What's keeping the presence of God from coming is all this selfishness and jealousy and bitterness and gossip and backbiting and negativity we have towards one another. Because you think about this from God's perspective. We're judging or criticizing or putting people like we're here, they're there. And God looks at us all and says, you all are broken. You all are in need of a Savior. None of you have earned your righteousness. I'm the one that gave you the robe that made you acceptable to come into my presence. Remember when he said, when they asked Jesus, Jesus, what is God looking for the most? So what's the one thing God really wants? And Jesus says to love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. This is the first. This is the greatest. But I can't separate. There's a second one that's like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law, all the words of the prophets hang on these two. For a few years now, I pray something every day. And I don't mean just say a prayer. I mean I fight to get the reality in my heart. And that is that my heart is wide open. I'm not afraid. I'm not struggling. I'm not unsurrendered. I'm not holding something back from God. It's like I'm wide open to you, God. Because I want my whole heart to be yours. And I realize that what the enemy wants to attack is fear and doubt and worry. So I pull my heart back and then I carry my burdens and I fight my own things and I keep everything inside of me. And God say, no, wide open. And the second thing is that my heart, no matter what I'm dealing with in relationship, is in a position of love towards people. Because people... I mean, just our perception of what they do can make it feel like, because, you know, we one-side the story in our mind. I did all the good, they did all the bad. Come on, you know this. This is what we do. And it's like, Lord, I want to love them, because I, I can't solve any problems in a position of where it's unloving. And I fight, and it's not easy. Sometimes it'll take me two days or three days to get my heart in a position of love towards people. But that's what I fight for because Jesus said everything hangs on holding that position. Everything God calls us to, it's this walking in love with him and walking in love with my fellow man is the key to how I move forward with the Lord. I mean, over and over, if you read the Bible and you see what he says about love, you realize that's the Christianity that will impact the world. He said, they will know you're my disciples, what? I'm looking to see if somebody knows this Bible verse. If you love one another as I have loved you. Think of how he's loved you. It was gracious. It was merciful. It was sacrificial. It was generous. I mean, how many times did some of us run away from him? But when we came back, his arms were open to us. He said, I want you to love each other. In 1 John, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. How can you say you love God if you don't love your brothers? Forgive 70 times 7. See, real Christianity, what Jesus brought is that we've received a love we could never earn now. Share it with other people. And that's where his presence begins to come. That's where we begin to be impactful in the world. It says, 
As time gets later, wickedness is going to increase and people are going to begin to become more divisive. But I'm calling you to be a light in that kind of chaotic, hate-filled vitriol that's going to go on the world. I want you to love each other as I've loved you because that's going to shine like a light. People's hearts are going to be so beaten and worn because of what's going on out there. And I want this to be a place where my love is flowing freely. It's not inhibited because my spirit will come and abide in such a place. And it will draw people out of the darkness and begin to see a move of God. I told my church, we have prayer every week, and I've told them we can keep praying for revival, but if we don't let him deal with the unloving things inside of us, we'll never see it. We'll never see it. And that begins to be, God, let have your way in me. My self-protection isn't helping me. It's keeping me imprisoned. I want the spirit to be free in me. Jesus tells us, and it says in verse 40, and the king will say to them, truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these my brothers, you did to me. As you sought to walk out my love, and his love is sacrificial. His love is, it takes time in prayer to get there. Because my own selfishness, my own pains, my own history, my own other things want to shut down, want to go into justified, unloving attitudes. And it takes before the Lord that I can, you know, that's the reason he said, remember the log in your own eye before you get all caught up in their stuff. But he's saying, let my love flow because you know I'm coming back. Jesus tells us there are wise people that are remembering their first ministries to the Lord. There are faithful people that are contending to keep their fight of faith strong. And there are loving people, and they'll be found ready. You remember when Jesus went to the cross, and he went to the garden right the night before, and he told his disciples, watch and pray. The Spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. That's exactly where we stand. It's like you can see the world is increasing in darkness. You can see the spiritual tide is really contending. You can also know that God is seeking to call a people to rise up and to stand for him. You can feel the need of our hour is great that the church become more than it currently is. How do we do that? The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. So watch and pray. Seek the Lord. Humble yourself before the Lord because you can't hold the position. You can't stand against the tide. But the Spirit of God dwells within you. And that power is what raised Jesus from the dead. And that connection to God can make you more than you see yourself could ever be. So come and give yourself to the Lord. Come and begin to realize, I can't do this apart from you, Christ. I can't get higher, I'm just going to become weary if I try to do this apart from you. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.